Hello and welcome to Bard Talk. I'm your host Josh, as always, and I do apologize. I missed last week's podcast. I decided to take the week off because um, I just had a lot going on, me stuff. Uh, it is the 4th of July and I had it in my head I was going to do this big podcast about America and yeah, I don't know. You know, I guess the crazy thing for me is the longer that I live in America and exposed to kind of the things they didn't teach you in school, the less like patriotic I feel. And it didn't help that I had to work all weekend. So I was kind of dealing with the aftermath of the holiday. So it wasn't very holiday-ish to me. And even if it was, I probably wouldn't celebrate it. All that aside, I apologize. And I promise you this week is going to make it up. I have two great interviews coming up um, with people who are very fascinating. One you know have met if you listen to this podcast before. And I'm bringing an absolutely new and beautiful person onto this podcast. So I met Liz at work. Uh, we both work at uh, for an EMS agency in Pennsylvania. And uh, she's just a very fascinating, cool person. And I'm excited for you all to get to know her a little bit as much as I do. So, hi, Liz. Hi, Josh. Um, you've worked EMS a long time. You've, you've been around that kind of stuff. So, tell me about it. Because you, like, you, you're not even from Pennsylvania. I'm not from Pennsylvania. I'm from California. Um, EMS, yeah. It's like my long dream of mine. What got you in EMS? Um, like start from the beginning. The beginning, beginning. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time as a child in firehouses. My choice, kind of, also just like my best friend, who is also my neighbor, uh, had a huge fascination with things with lights and sirens. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, my mom was a pediatrician and took me to work with her a lot, and I knew that I wanted to be in the medical field since diapers pretty much so medical field is just where I feel like I belong um why EMS why not like as a nurse or um I don't do well sitting still you think (laughs) nurses sit still well no but like inside a building mm, sounds awful this just in Liz hates nurses that is not true I love nurses. Um, some nurses. Some nurses. Um, yeah, some nurses. Some of them are like raging assholes. Um, a majority of them. Complexes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, no, I think that um, eventually, I think my end goal was originally nurse. Um, then I got on a truck, and I don't want to leave. Lights and sirens are fun. They are. Yeah, and that's about all I like of it. Just kidding. Um, I like a lot of it. Um, Maybe my end goal is still nursing eventually, um, but as of right now, I don't want that. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that answer. Right. I don't want to be a nurse or a doctor or work in a hospital, um, but I also don't want to be an EMT, so like, you know. Well, that's why we're going to medical school, Josh. <laughs> yeah, it is a, it's like a dumb career path, right? Like, it's I want just... to... <laughs> alternative not a lot of people think about it well my my goal uh honestly in getting my medic 
has so much more to do with me getting on a fire truck. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, like, like, I think the reality of the situation is the fire department is one of the most efficient government services this country has ever created. And because of that, they keep asking for more. You know, it's no longer acceptable to just know how to fight fires. You have to be a hazmat expert. You have to be a vehicle and machinery expert. You have to be an expert in alarm systems and, you know, you have to be able to respond to just about anything the public asks of you. And EMS is one of those things that has just brought been brought to the forefront of our collective conscious as needing somebody to oversee it. And while it works as its own thing, it works a lot better when it's married to the fire service. So a lot of fire departments, they want ALS capabilities and they hire fire medics. Right. Um, and I think that that's pretty basic, at least from what I understand from living in California is that a lot of the medics that I worked with out there, they only were working in EMS to become a medic and have experience because once you have that year of experience, you're, you're sold, you're sold to fire, Cal fire, city fire, all of it. Like that's what they want. Where in California you grow up? Northern California, next to Sacramento, little town called Davis. Nice. What was the West coast like? (laughs) I love the West coast. Um, I think that I grew up in like the perfect place. I was about an hour and a half from like Tahoe. So the mountains an hour and a half from San Francisco. San Francisco. So, um... Don't feel bad. I trip over... Honestly, I have the worst mumble mouth. <laughs> I and, do like, too. when I'm tired, it's exacerbated. And then, like, I try to say... Like, in my mind, I'll think a word, and then I'll try to say a word. And it doesn't happen. And it, I get a blend of the two words. <laughs> Me. Me as fuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, I was able to ski as a child and I was able to hang out at the beach and San Francisco is freaking gorgeous for no reason and really? so is the mountains fucking Tahoe is great like I don't think that as a child I didn't appreciate it at all like little cow town attached to university it was stupid I hated it but like as an adult with children now it's like I appreciate it so much I got a good education at public school I got, like, all of the perks of being at a private school, public. I mean, between, like, our field trips and all, like, the stuff that they did for us, with us, music. Like, there's no question. Like, music was happening at that school all the time. Um, Sports never had a shortage because the parents were so invested in their kids that they were, like oh, there's a shortage, here's more money. Don't take that from them. And I wow. think that's awesome. Um, and even, like, for the people who didn't have the money or their parents didn't have the money, people would be like, all right, well, you're you're still great, so we're going to still give you the capabilities to do what you want to do. Here you go. So what did you do in high school? Like, what was your, your main focus? Um, so high school was a hot mess for me. <laughs> um, I had moved out here in ninth grade because my mom decided to do res- residency at Penn. Um, so I was back and forth between here and California. Ended up doing a lot of independent study before I had my oldest son. 
and he came when I was 16. That was fun. Um, other than that, though, uh, I went to, like, an alternative school called a continuation school. So, um, I went three hours a day from 8 a.m. to noon. Um, that's a little bit more than three hours, but it's it okay. ends up being, like, three hours. With, this like, isn't a math podcast. Breaks, whatever. <laughs> um, and I was able to, we, like, changed different, we changed classrooms, but it was all on me if I wanted to graduate. So, like, mm -hmm. I'd go in and I'd be like, hey, this is what I want to do for credits. Can I do it? And they'd be like, yes or no. Or they say, yeah, but let's do it this way. Um, so I was able to, like, be in charge of my own future, mm -hmm. which I think was extremely helpful for my personal growth. And I think that all high schools should have some sort of um, model like that. Was that, it was, so was that in... That this, was in Davis. That was in California. Yeah. Okay. Um, school I went to out here was a uh, private, churchy, stick-up-the-ash school. Oh, wow. Great, great school. Great people. Um, it's just not, I'm not good with traditional settings. Okay. Which is probably the whole EMS thing. Like, traditional isn't my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. should probably point out at this point that Liz is a Taurus. So. <laughs> what does that mean? I just, you know, that stubborn, stubborn um, great work, work ethic through the roof. Like, I, it's funny. On a personal level, not you. Mm -hmm. But, like, on a personal level, I avoid Tauruses like the plague. I mean, they're just not as much as Geminis. They... Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Geminis. I think the world does. Oh, good. But, um... Sorry if you're a Gemini. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> I, like, on a personal level, like, Tauruses are... I, they're so hot and cold. It's like they're either really Me. driven, like, really... And Vivi, I know you're going to listen to this. Girl, I know you're a Taurus. I know you are. This is not meant to be slanderous. It is. But they're, like, really not. driven or really lazy. And I'm really both. And, like, the consistency of that. Me. Um, and, no, and, and listen, I'm, I'm way flawed. I'm way flawed. Everybody here knows Pisces. And so, like, I have this stupid high standard for myself. Mm -hmm. And I jerk off to consistency like i think if somebody says something you better you better have intent behind your words like i can't take empty words right and in my own life i've just known tauruses who were fake af right and like at work so driven really good like like organized if you want something done right well like you're gonna hire a taurus and you're gonna have a good time um, but if like your Taurus friend says, yeah, bro, like I'll totally come over and help you build a deck. It's not happening. It's not happening. You, you, it might happen, but it might happen like six days later. It's not happening. And it won't all get done <laughs> for the next month and a half. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's so anyways, um, yeah, I mean, school is School to me is really interesting because I was homeschooled right. my whole life, right up until the end. And then 
Um, so I went to Reading High for a year, and then I went to a private school. And when I describe my private school to people, everybody's like, oh, so you went to Hogwarts. It was, like, legitimately like Hogwarts. It was... I tested to get in, and I think Reading wanted me... Was it me. a Waldorf school? No. It was a private, standalone institution for the higher arts. So, like, everything was made by the students. Like, we had the hallways were decorated, like, with mosaics made cool by though. the students that went there before. Our lunchroom cafeteria was in an old barn, so it was exposed wood beans, and then, like, they painted murals along the sides, and there was candelabras. It was over the top and then we had our own farm on premises so like we grew our own food that's cool everybody says that but it actually like sucked well it sucked because i had most of the credits i need needed to graduate but i was never i didn't i didn't i didn't learn anything like so homeschool for me my and and my situation was way different i'm not bashing i did a whole podcast on homeschool go back a couple episodes and listen to it where i practically cried i did um because my mom you know she never graduated high school they ran off of my dad's diploma and said that he was teaching us but he wasn't really around because he worked third shift we had a family of, of three ish almost four and so Nobody taught me. I got a book and it, my mom was just like, you got to finish this book by the end of the year and then you got to take this test. And if you pass this test, you go to the next grade. Right. So schooling was just on me. Right. And the only thing I like more than change is really fast, unexpected change and consistent, like, like having to do this and do it on my own, you know, meant that like reading and social studies and art, I excel that because I was interested in those things. Right. But I never had anybody teach me math, so I never learned math. So when I went to high school, I failed everything. Like I was in remedial, remedial algebra because I didn't, I, I didn't really have a good concept of just dividing into negatives or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't even learn geometry. Wow. So. I mean, I've self-taught myself things applicable to the fire service, EMS, like things that I feel I need in my daily life, but don't ask me to solve algebra. I d- I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Stop So dumb. No, you're not. But, like, how many times do I use algebra in my daily life besides, like, me deciding that I need to do some math problems because my brain is crazy? I don't. But even if you don't use it, like, so... Um, I had to take the T's test to get into medic school. Right. And 25 questions were math. Yeah. And if I didn't have poop for brains, I would have had a really high score on the T's. Like every other portion of the T's, I did really, really well. And then math knocked me down to, in my, in my opinion, not even a passable grade. Okay, so I was looking at that because of me having to take the T's as well for the same program. Um, Passing is only like 65%. Like the average score for someone taking the T's is like 
a good D. I know. It's a test designed to see how well you test. Right. And, you know, I actually got the, 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 the guy to, the guy who administered it, I like called them mm-hmm. and I was just like, what's the deal? And he's like, well, so like, you know, um, if you score between, I think it's 40 and 60%, you don't fail. You get marked as like, um, proficient. um, yeah. Or average. Average, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then like like 60 to 80 was proficient. And then anything above that is like Excel. Right. Like you're going to do really good in medic school because you understand how to study for a test. You understand how to absorb like broad concepts and things like that. Right. But it's so humbling for somebody like me because I, you know, I was getting into medic school. I'm, I'm walking on the clouds and then I just get this kick in the stomach to remind me that I'm a trash kid. I'm a trash person. I, I, I am substandard societal acceptance as far as intelligence goes. And it just bothered me for a little bit. Well, if it makes you feel better, I got a 67.4. It doesn't make me feel any better at all. And I don't believe anybody's scores that they tell me. So, you know. I can show it to you. Because, like... As we speak. Somebody else, whom I have no adoration for in this world, told me they got an 80. And that hydrocephalic jerk, there's no way. Who said that? I'm not saying. Especially You're going to tell me later. Not, not on the podcast. Not on the podcast. But, but later like... Anyways, we're getting... We're getting sub, sub... Like, we're going on a branch. Which is what I like. I like just having a conversation and walking down these paths as we get there. But I think um, one of the things that that is fascinating to me, so... We'll see a science fucked me. Oh. Yeah, we're looking at our scores, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> see, I did really good at science. But see, look, national mean is... 65.6. 65, 65.6. Six. I know, but... That's really low. I know. And what you got, 66? You keep going. 67? I'm not saying. 68? You got a 70? Yeah! No! See, look, you're smarter than me. No, I'm not. According to this test, you are. No, it's not. I'm not. I'm not looking at it anymore. Listen, this is a dark period of my time. But Uh, that's, like, really good. It's not really good. Really good is 90. Um, according to that test, the national mean is 65. Which means that you did better than absolutely almost everybody that takes the test. No, it means that I am, like, in most cases, just a little bit better than everybody else. Well, you're better than me. I'm not better than you. And there's no way. What do you mean there's no way? No. It's, you're way smarter than I am. Not academically. Maybe, like, in general. No. Even but I wouldn't even say that. I think that you, you're, like the smartest person I know. No, definitely not. And if that is your measure, you have horrible friends. <laughs> I also don't have friends. It's you, Josh. That's it. Um, so, realistically, if you wanted to get into college, though, you took your SATs, right? I did not take SATs. I did not take SATs. I did not say, take my AITs or whatever. Um, I couldn't get into uh, college because of the high school I went to. Because basically, it's they took off ten English credits and five math credits, so you'd be able to graduate on time. Oh. Because I was truant. 
I was a bad girl. Wait, no, listen. My last, my last year of school, the year I went to a fancy private whatever thing, I only needed, I think, maybe nine credits. I think it was three credits a semester. So I did jack all. I had this gorgeous opportunity handed to me, and I chose lazy. <laughs> well, sometimes it's like that. I mean, I did the same thing. I could have continued independent study, but they were like, hey, look, you had a kid. You have a kid. Like, you want to be home with them? Here, go here. And I was like, bet. Do you want to talk about that at all? What, having a kid at mm -hmm. 16? I don't care. We can talk about it. All right. What questions do you have? Um, like everything. Because... You know, the older I get, obviously, that part of my life, the door is closed. But there was always a part of me that wanted a daughter, like, so bad. Just so ridiculously bad. Um, yeah. I mean, I still want a daughter. I think that a daughter would be kick-ass, but I ended up having three boys. Mm -hmm. But I love it. I think, I honestly, full-heartedly think that I'm meant to be a boy mom in all aspects of the word boy mom um and that started when i was 15 when i decided that i was gonna have sex why is there a distinction so hard like between boy mom and like girl mom well you don't really hear people say i'm a girl mom right like there's a, a hard distinction at being a boy mom and i don't understand because like i feel like i was a pretty easy kid to raise um i think that it's, and I could be wrong, I just, like, genuinely like being a mom to boys. And I don't think that I'd be a great mom at this point in my life to a little girl. Um, I have nieces. I took two of my nieces to the fireworks last night. We had a blast. But, like, the act of giving them back was probably the best part of my day. I love really? them. I love them to death. My seven-year-old niece was like, Titi, I love you. Thank you so much for taking me to the fireworks. I'm like, yeah, no problem. She's like, can I come over? And I'm like, not right now. You can stay with your mom. But also, I think that there's other things that I couldn't deal with. Like, her mom told me yesterday that she was touched at a family's member's house. And I was like, she's first, she's seven. Like, I wouldn't know how to react to that. Oh, I would. I mean, besides killing someone. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm well, actually cleaning a gun as we're, we're talking about this. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, but it's just like, they're so, like, I'm such a laid back person. If I had a little shithead girl that was like, I, I, I would not know how to act. If I had a little girly girl that, like, wanted to do makeup and hair all day, I'd want to drop a kicker out the window. <laughs> I'm so serious. It's okay. Like, I could not raise a little prissy girl that doesn't want to go outside and hang out in the mud. And Do you think that little girls cling to their dads more and little boys cling to their moms? Or is that more like, you know, obviously there's margins on both ends, but like in the medium, that's kind of true? I think that in the medium, that's kind of true. But I also think that like... Um, I think that every dad is like, oh, I want a daddy's girl. I think that's just like... It's just a thing. A thing. And is like, that like my thing? Yeah. It's not a gross thing. I it's not like gross at out. all. Like, it's not that. I, 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 I've 
told a lot of people and pretty sure I've told you, but like I just I legitimately used to have a dream that I had mm-hmm. a little girl. Yeah. And it it's heartbreaking for me I'll never meet her. You don't know that for sure. No, I, I know that. I like, still I think that you will. Anyway, point being is that I was made to raise little boys. Um, are they attached to me? <laughs> yeah. But, like, on the, the complete opposite end, like, I could be, like, they fight all day. And I'm, like, have at it, kid. Have at it, <laughs> Just bro. Just give them boxing gloves. Yeah, like, basically. If you're going to hit something, punch through it. Not-, not. Yeah, totally. Or, like, when they fall, like, if a little girl were to fall... And I couldn't be like, oh, no one saw. And, like, that whole breakdown, couldn't do it. What was it like being a mom so young? Um, it was hard. It was definitely one of those things where I didn't get what I expected. Um, you think of being a mom, it's going to be, like, beautiful butterflies and dudes are the dude that you had the baby with is gonna hang out and we're gonna raise a child together um wrong very wrong especially at 15 so um his dad lives in philadelphia he's um never been active in his life i think he met him once or twice uh once at like nine months and i think they hung out for like 20 minutes he flew out here hung out with uh, my best friend at the time they went and they got drunk and high the whole time that he was out here um other than that my dad has been a real trooper and has mostly raised him um besides me breastfeeding him he my dad let me be a teenager um so like I went to prom I hung out with my friends I went to Disneyland without him like three or four times sorry Elijah I love you um (laughs) But, yeah, so, um, it wasn't what I expected. Uh, but, you know, like I said, my dad stepped in, paid for him to go to preschool, at a good preschool. Picked him up, took him there after he dropped me off from school. Made sure I, he got home. Fed us both, you know, it was like he had another child. And so, yeah. Um, other than that, it's a lot of, like... I did have a child young and I did have those fake high school friends and they were like, Oh yeah, that's my baby too. Oh, call me auntie. First off, sorry if you're one of those people, fuck you. Um, cause I don't hear from any of you anymore, but still it's like, um, it's definitely like was an attention thing for probably a lot of teen parents, but I hated it. I, I think like, obviously, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, Beth, mm-hmm. she had her first kid when she was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a lot to do because my dad beat the piss out of us. And so she she never graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she didn't traditionally graduate high school. Right. My my sister is an amazing person now. Like she she has an associate's degree in psychology. She's getting her bachelor's, and she's ten years older than me, so she's really setting the bar for like, you know, how much you can achieve if you just don't give up. Right. Like you just keep chugging along. But 
my super religious family. She was 18, not married. She did this because she wanted to get out. Like she quit high school, got a job, found a guy, was looking for that missing piece. She wanted to feel love. I right. mean, when you're a child of abuse, you don't know if your parents love you. Right. Um, and that is so hard to live with. Oh, I believe it. It is, it is incredibly hard. And so um, the stigma around, like, like when she went to church, seeing people, like, cover their mouth and talk and... Like, even the church itself was like, oh, well, you know, you really need to consider doing XXX to repent and get yourself right. And, like, a lot of it had to do with money. Like, they just wanted money. Like, Yeah. Um, and I de- dealt with that a lot throughout. Um, taking Even just taking him to school. That was one of my big things is, like, I had my dad take him more than often because the looks that I would get, like, oh, that must be his sister. No, I birthed that fucking hunk of a kid. (laughs) Like, give me at least that much credit. Um, But, yeah, it was just, like, and, like, his preschool graduation, I was there, and I wasn't even recognized. My dad was, but, no, I mean, no one would have known I was his mom for the life of it. I mean, there's a lot of, like, oh, he's black, oh, they adopted him, oh, whatever. But, like, no, I pushed that 10-pound baby on my coochie, and <laughs> it fucking hurt, dude. Like, I was 9 pounds. I can't imagine 10 pounds. Nine but pounds, I wasn't really 11 there. ounces, 21 and a half inches. That is a giant baby. He was baby. a large child. He came out, the nurse was like, oh, what are we guessing, 7 and a half pounds? And you're not a big person. No. You're, you're... I was probably, like, a good... When I got pregnant, I was probably like a good like hundred thirty pounds. Oh my god! I was little, five foot two. Whew. I was huge. So yeah, that's incredible, and I can't imagine how much that hurt. Um, it I mean it wasn't too bad. I would ra- I'd birth a hundred babies in a row before I get pregnant again. I thoroughly enjoy giving birth. Um, I gave. What? <laughs> I know you don't hear that from females a lot. Um. Or if ever. Clinical term. It's just females. Females. Um, yeah. How do you identify? I identify as a woman. Okay. She. Her. The, her. They. They? Mm, maybe not they. <laughs> eh. I mean, I really, I think that, here, you want to get into this? Yeah. We can get into this. I'm um, about it. I don't feel gender. I don't. Like, I don't understand, and if, like, you are, it's cool. Like, I'm totally going to respect your pronouns, 100%, but, like, I don't feel like I'm anything but anything. Like, I don't feel like a man, I don't feel like a woman, I don't feel like a non-binary. I just am, am. But that's how I feel about my sexuality, too. Like, I didn't come out, oh, I'm bi, bisexual, pan, whatever you want to call it. Um, I didn't come out until... I was like 21 but it was it wasn't like oh hey guys I'm coming out it was like I just got a girlfriend and people were like oh my god you're bi and I'm like yeah and they're like well you didn't say anything to anyone and I'm like I didn't know I had to like it, it wasn't like a conscious decision that I was like hey I'm gonna go tell everyone that I like females now 
wouldn't that be like the perfect world though is if we didn't have to think about that like if if you grew up in such an accepting environment that you didn't feel the need to explain your sexuality like i and and listen i know the struggles right i understand like if if i'm not but had i come out as gay i would have been disowned right immediately um there are there's far too many just there's just too much in this country that puts an emphasis on your sexuality so i would think like the ideal background is that you would feel so comfortable that you wouldn't feel a need to express it like it would be no different than buying a different make a car like right and i think that's where i got really lucky is that like may like Maybe if I told my mom I came out to my mom and my grandma, there would have been a problem. But I just... Was your mom religious? My grandma's religious. My mom is just... I don't know. I feel like she's racist and sexist and (laughs) everythingist. Unless you're, like, a doctor and perfect and everything, you know? What did she do? My mom's a pediatrician. No, I know your mom, but what about your grandmother? Oh, my grandma. She was a teacher. Oh, okay. In San Diego. So she spent a lot of time with what is it, non, non-English non speakers, like, mm-hmm. teaching them English, which kind of always threw me off because I have been more of a, like, I didn't think about it when I dated my first black man. I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to go date a black dude. Like, I just dated them. Again, in a perfect world. In a perfect world, world, right. We wouldn't designate that. Like, I've, I would love to pretend that for me... I had that kind of knowledge. Uh, I think one of the things is, like, growing up in the South, growing up in the Northeast, right. race is right in front of you. Right. Constantly. My my uncles, my, my family, I'll just, I've said it before, my parents were very racist people. You know, we, we were in government housing we got food stamps we got welfare social welfare and those programs like made it possible for me to live right it made it i would not be here i don't think without those programs because we needed a lot of assistance um and and i i know it's popular to bash religion and there are a lot of aspects about religion i absolutely abhor but I also owe a lot to the churches that my parents were a part of. Like, they had food banks. Mm-hmm. We ate a lot of food because of food banks. And I grew up as somebody who didn't know they were eating dinner that night. Right. Like, there wasn't anything in the cupboards. There wasn't food to be had. And we didn't know where we were going to get our meal. But, um, you know, the, the church would step in. Or people from the church would step in. Right. Uh, but that, you know, it comes at a cost. It comes with strings. And and like I said, going back to the whole racism thing, my, my parents, when we didn't have something, it was because, oh, well, we, we pay too much in taxes or things cost too much because welfare queens and this, that. And it was always not not always blatantly insinuated that it was because of black welfare queens or hispanic welfare queens but it definitely that undertone and when we moved to the northeast 
it almost immediately became a, a Hispanic type thing. Like, well, the Spanish people in this, this area are taken care of better. And, and it was an omnipresent force. So, um, when I grew up and I'm not fetishizing anything, I swear to you, like (laughs) I'm, I am not pure driven snow, a good person. I'm a shit person. Stop saying that. But like, for sure, I, I found, I found, I found women my age, you know, when I was in high school and stuff like that, like particularly from the Middle East, like really attractive. There was, our first chair violinist was from uh, Pakistan, I think. I don't, I, God, I feel bad saying that and not knowing. I know she was from the Middle East. Right. And I thought she was really attractive. I also found, like, chicks in wheelchairs really attractive for some reason. Um, I think that's because I'm a bad person. I don't think so. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Like, my friends always joke that I had predatory behavior, and it was like, it's not, it's not bad. It's not. I think that it's a huge thing. I follow a lot of disabled people on Instagram that... So do I. That on like, TikTok. Yeah, that, like, they want to people to know that, like, they need love, too, and they can date an able-bodied person just as well as they could date a disabled person, and... I think that's a huge thing that needs to be more. It's like it's like the whole bisexual like coming out and not like me not feeling like I had to come out. Like they shouldn't have to feel like they can't date an able-bodied person without being like, "Hey, by the way, like my girlfriend is in a wheelchair." Like I I think for me like I a lot of people fall in love with their eyes. Mhm. And I'm not saying I don't find a certain, like, type attractive. Um, I Colloquially, I think the only way you would know her is from Deadpool. But um, the actress who played, and I don't even know her name. I'm terrible with names of actresses and stuff like that. But she is, like, like darker skinned, black hair. Um, I don't think she's Middle Eastern all the way. I think she's more like Italian or whatever. But she's not that European uh, general hot, but she's gorgeous. She was also on Firefly and she played. And you just like, she gave me a look because she doesn't know what Firefly is, and that's fine. Like, I'm talking to my nerds out there who know what Firefly is right now. I know what it is. I just. She played an, uh, basically an escort. They had a name for it. Sorry, I'm a bad nerd, too. But, like... Like, she was a companion. Yes. Um, she's really hot. And I don't know. I just always found, like, other... other. I, I didn't like the European model as much. <laughs> God, that sounds so bad to say. No, I... I don't know how else to say it. I agree. I think that I spent a lot of my teenage and early adulthood dating black and Hispanic men... Um, and not that it matters, but definitely on, like, the lower poverty end of the scale. Um, and I don't know if it was because... You were a rich kid praying? What? You were just praying on poor people? Yeah. No, I think that, um, since I grew up in, like, a predominantly white neighborhood, and I was raised by white people, and I was brought into Philadelphia, and 
I literally was thrown into a melting pot, I finally saw the other side of things. Like, there are people who, like you, that don't know if they're going to eat at night. Like, I could have never imagined that as a child. But also, my family was, we had neighbors, and often there was a little girl that would come over, and she'd go, we had a walk-in pantry, excuse me, and literally, she would stand in the middle of it for like an hour. And I never understood it. I was like, you want to eat? Go ahead. Like, you can have anything you want. And it was just like, it was a foreign, it was foreign to her. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh shit, she was probably just fucking hungry. And like, of course, like, we had people over all the time and we'd feed them. But it was just one of those things where like, I would have never known that they didn't, like, they probably couldn't eat whatever they wanted at the house. Yeah. It's, it. It's really weird, you know, I don't, I think for a large part of my life, it never bothered me. It never caught up to me. I would just, you compartmentalize so many things. And I think a lot of my life, I just compartmentalize, see I told you, it happens to me too. (laughs) I compartmentalized so much of growing up and then I hit my 30s and it just, like the dam broke. I just put too much in there. And then I started being really conscious of the fact that, like, yeah, you know, we never had cupboards full of food. I didn't I didn't eat well when I was a little kid. We ate what we had. Right. Um, and when we lived in North Carolina, like, that, a lot of times it was what we caught that day. Right. Like, I learned to shoot a gun real early so I could get rabbits and squirrels. And then, you know, you tell somebody, yeah, I've, I've eaten, I've eaten, you know squirrel yeah like like that kind of stuff like i've eaten sunnies and bass and people are just like ew and i'm like it's food sorry my poverty's showing like (laughs) no i feel that um um, one time i was hunting on somebody else's land and i was walking back in it was real innocuous and i had my bow and they're like did you have any luck today and i was like no i was like i launched an arrow at a doe and uh i missed um and i try like i try to hunt older does because mm-hmm. older does are bigger they've seen a lot of seasons they've got more muscle tissue there's just more meat to older does mm-hmm. and they thought it was weird they're like well don't you want a good rack i was like you can't eat the rack and they're like, well, what if, what if it would have had a fawn? I was like, I would have shot the fawn out from under it. And they're like, you would have shot a baby deer? I was like, well, you know, hunting for me has always been about putting food on the table. I've never gone trophy hunting. I've never right. cared at all what I ate that day. I just want to provide. And, like, as an adult, I have this this need. Like, I have to buy people food. I have to I have to make yeah, sure everybody's fed. I have to make sure that everybody because I'm in a position now where I have something. I've worked really hard and I know what I have is crap. I know I live in a hovel. I know that I don't drive BMWs and Lexuses, but what I have I so willingly give because I know what it's like not to have. And see I'm on the other end of that spectrum, is that I grew up well off, but still I like have a need to like feed people and help people like tremendously yeah and I think also that like I would go out and my parents would give me money and be like don't let anyone else pay and so it was like instilled in me to be like 
take care of other people. Right. Which, like, isn't a bad thing, but... No, it's not. I mean, it sounds like your parents did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, they're decent all together. All, like, as a whole, they're decent human beings. Um, Could they have raised me better? (laughs) For sure. Um, Could they have taught me things that I needed in my day-to-day life? Fuck yeah. Like, I didn't know how to do laundry until I was in my 20s. (laughs) Like, that's embarrassing. Um... Yeah, so, like, there's so much that they could have done better, but, like, I never wanted or needed anything, because I had it at my fingertips, but also, like, my dad gives me handshakes when he sees me. Do you feel that, like, being on that conversely opposite side breeds contempt, or, like, like, do you find yourself sometimes... Um, a little resentful that they didn't they didn't make you try harder uh yeah every day um I remember very vividly throughout elementary school my mom doing my projects for me um and that bred into my high school years of I didn't know how to do my homework I didn't know how to make sure that things were done on time and I mean to this day I still my kids are hungry I'm like "Mm, fuck like, I know how to feed them, obviously. My kids don't starve. But, like, at the end of the day, it's, like... Scheduling. Scheduling just... it. Getting things together. Um, last minute. Like, oh, I should have taken out meat this morning. Mm. It's, like, little, little things that, like, totally go out the window. Um, like, t- reminding my kids to take showers, as gross as that is. Like, I like I forget to take showers myself. But, like... That's was, gross. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. No, it's just like normal things, normal everyday things. Like I can't, can't schedule for shit. I can't miss their doctor's appointments all the time. And they call me and they're like, hey, you missed a doctor's appointment. I'm like, oh. I mean, you know, some of that's like human. It's just being a person is trying to figure out how to adult, how to, and I, you know what? That's become so cliche, and I'm, I'm like, low-key starting to hate when people say, like, I want an adult. It's because our parents were socially retarded. Not, sure. I'm not no, saying I that mean, as derogatory. That I'm is literally like, socially retarded. <laughs> well, I wasn't, I was saying that, like, they, they had the world on a silver platter, and they lived in a time so unique, and, and, and listen, no bones about it. Thanks, darling. They... They absolutely wrung this world out for everything that it was worth. And they don't have anything to pass on to us because I think they knew they were taking advantage of things to such a level that never again in history would that be repeatable. So they don't know how to teach us how to do stuff. They didn't know how to. Now, I, my mom was a reverse mom. She had kids to take care of her. So at six, I was loading the laundry the equipment we didn't always have a laundry machine we had to sometimes we had to hand wash stuff right um we always that's why i had kids we well that's why my mom had kids. i'm just kidding my kids don't lift a finger and uh it's you know i i grew up very independent the converse side of things is i'm really good at multitasking i'm really good at 
scheduling things out and knowing, oh, okay, on this date I'm doing this, and on this day I'm doing this, and I have this appointment coming up, and like, and that translates into my professional life a little bit because I can schedule classes for people and work on an acquisition project. I can work on designing a fire truck and I can still write SOPs and like set deadlines and like I'm very organized at that part of my life. Yeah, I'm not an organized person at all. I literally wait until I have two miles to put gas in my car because I... Your poor, poor fuel pump. Oh, my poor car. I know. It's just, it's so bad. There's just everything. But on the reverse side, like, I didn't struggle. And my, my kids are, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same. Um, I don't make them clean their room. I don't make them clean their dishes. I will never. Well, maybe I will someday. But, like, two and four, that's who's in the house right now. Mm-hmm. Their dad's like, clean your room. And I'm like, dude, go up there and sit with them and help them. Well, they should know how to clean their room. No. I can't even fucking clean my room without three breaks and two beers and <laughs> some weed. And just kidding, I don't smoke. But still, it's like, I, I need three hours to clean something small give it to them too you know i think we all have tasks we have to do and you need something to soothe yourself right and i don't have kids and it's like i can't stop my brain though like i swear to god like somebody puts it in a gear that shouldn't even be there i don't have kids i have no reason to own these gears right but like when people tell me about their kids and the things going on like all of a sudden something starts spinning and I'm like I can't help but think of how I would handle that situation I think it's human nature you're still a human and we're made to reproduce I guess do you so you had your other kids how many far apart um my oldest is nine and then I had my next one was when he was four so I have a four-year-old as well Mm -hmm. um that was a good time, but it also taught Elijah that he was a single child. And that's why he lives with my dad, mostly. Um, besides the fact that my dad was still in Northern California up until this last year, and he had friends already, which I would never take from him. Um, I know what it's like moving and having to make new friends. He's a friggin' social butter- butterfly. Like, he would have had no trouble making friends out here. But it was just one of those things where if he was comfortable there, have at it, kid. He's a good fucking kid, so I don't really care. Um, Ziki is four. He is my demon child. He's definitely a middle child. Um, And then Rue is two, almost three. I guess both of their birthdays are coming up. Um, But he's just the baby, and he knows it every second of it the day he knows he's the baby um and i love it god i love it almost three still in diapers i will change his diapers until he's done i'm not ready to get rid of that (laughs) at all (laughs) how hard is it to potty train um elijah was super easy i took the box of pull-ups and i threw it in the trash made him watch me and i said i don't know what to tell you kid we're done and that was it. That was it for him. Um, Zeke, God bless my ex-girlfriend Amanda. I love you. 
so much. We went through shit, but she potty trained him. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again. Uh, You're an angel. Um, Yeah, her and her mom decided one day that he just was too old to be in Pampers. And I said, uh, what? And they were like, yeah, we're just going to potty train him. And I was like, uh, what? And they did it while I was at school. So that was easy. That was cake. Um, As for this one, Rue... I tell him he needs to go potty in the big toilet. We go, come on, Rue, let's go potty in the big toilet. And he goes, no, Mom, I need little toilet. <laughs> um, referring to a little toilet that you can put in any room that kids potty train on. But we have one, and he doesn't use it. <laughs> so that's where you are with that. But... Like I said, I don't really care. I think that kids will do... He knows. He'll go to the bathroom when he wants. So he does use it? He's just like... He's just a spoiled brat. I got you. Yeah, no, he totally knows. And at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to use it, he doesn't want to use it. And one day he will wake up and be like, "It's this is the day, Mom. But till that day, I will wipe his ass. I don't care. (laughs) He's my baby. That's my baby. Um, Do you see any more on the horizon? Not from me. Obviously. Uh, I got my tubes out. You know this. Um, I wasn't baiting you into answering that. I know. I I would like to adopt. I'm adopted, so I feel like I owe it to a child that I could give a better life to. You're adopted? I am adopted. Really? From birth. Oh. You didn't know that? No. Oh, well... Hi, I'm adopted. (laughs) Um, I was adopted from birth. My mother and father, who adopted me, called them my mom and dad because they raised me, Nancy and Craig. Um, They didn't have kids because they were focused on their careers. So they went to an adoption lawyer and found me. They moved my birth mom out to live with them for six months while she was pregnant took her to Disneyland and fed her burgers and you know the pregnant stuff the pregnant stuff um my dad bought her packs of cigarettes really so my dad has a folder of everything of me as through like through the adoption process so like the lawyer made them fill out paperwork on who they are what they want who they want all of the doctors, so like doctor appointments, discharges, um, original birth certificate. Um, they found out that I was going to be a boy September 20 or no, December 28th, 2000 or 1994. There's a paper that my dad has and it says boy. Whoops. Surprise. Not a boy. Um, Showed you. Right. Um, and then all the receipts of everything, so like leases, they put her up in a apartment. Um, receipts of everything that they bought her, everything that they bought me, um, everything. It's a whole folder of it. It's crazy. Yeah. How do you feel about that? It bothered me for a long time. So my really? sister told me I was adopted when I was four. Uh, she ran. I was playing Barbies or some shit. She ran in the room and she was like, "You're adopted." Is your sister adopted? Yeah. Different okay. family. Um, and 
I didn't believe her for years and years and years. And then one day I was like, am I really adopted? And my dad was like, yes. And my mom was like, well, we shouldn't tell her. And I was like, mm, well, now I know. Um, so I spent a lot of time when I was pregnant with my oldest trying to find family because part of the paperwork that my dad has is also my birth mom had to fill out papers saying like who she is and who my dad is and five siblings and all that stuff. Yeah. So there's two, I have two brothers that are on that piece of paper and I ended up finding one that ended up living in Chico, which is north of Davis, uh, Mm -hmm. about, well, lived in Paradise, which is the little town that burned down in Northern California, the whole Mm -hmm. town that burned down. Um, but yeah, so he lives in, he lived in Paradise, now in Chico, um, probably, I mean, like half his age, like literally half his age. Okay. So he was born way before me. 26 years almost um but yeah so that was fun stuff what what did that dredge up like so were your other siblings adopted out or um he was left at his uncle's house okay at like four or five days old oof yeah um he's a good dude though Mm -hmm. like I met him. We we don't talk anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't really care what happened. Um, it bothered me a lot more previously. Um, but, like, as of now, I've, like, watched my sister move back in with her birth family. And she had her birth mom's boyfriend walk her down the aisle at her wedding. So, it's, like, I appreciate who my parents are a lot more than what I did because like they raised us like were they great people they were good at their careers but other than that like I was I wouldn't I wouldn't take that away from them like I don't get along with my mom to this day she still raised me she still made sure I was good she's a fucking flaming bitch she shouldn't have had kids but fuck it my dad, he's socially awkward as fuck. I, like I said, he gives me handshakes when he sees me. What dad does that shit? I don't know. I I, I didn't come from that traditional setup. So, mm-hmm. like, I can't comment. I mean, my dad hugged me a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he also threw a skate at my head. So, yeah, like, I got... I got love when I did something to earn it. Right. And that's probably really fucked me up. That's probably made me a shit person because, you know, you feel like so much comes at a cost. Like, you have to do something to earn it. Like, I'm not just entitled to affection. That's hard to live with, I guess. Somewhat. But... I've met people who were adopted before, and, like, they love their adopted family. Um, they they couldn't imagine life another way. Um, but those feelings, like, why wasn't I good enough, they creep in sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, like, why did you have me? And not to diminish anybody's experience, but I think even when you're raised by your birth parents, I asked my parents multiple times multiple times Mm -hmm. tears snot running down my face like 
why did you have me? Like, why? You couldn't afford to take care of yourself. Why did you have me? Why did you subject me to this? Right. And if I had been adopted out to some someone, like, who could take care of me, I don't know. I mean, you always play that, well, what if? What if? And I think one of the more incredible ideas that I've ever heard, the idea of string theory, the idea of multiple realities, where, like, probably somewhere there's a reality where I was adopted and you were kept. Right. And uh, I wonder how that Josh is getting along. Like, I hope he's really successful. Right. Well, I think that, from my understanding, my birth mom had a bunch of other kids. Um, and they're all god knows where doing god knows what you know and i think that from my understanding the youngest is probably like 15 16 mm. um and lives with her and i think that's what fucks me up the most is like you had all these kids you were like fuck you fuck you fuck you i don't want you i don't want you whether it was like one night stands or this or that but then you kept the last one like you couldn't have kept your fucking legs closed for long enough to not like it just doesn't make sense to me like I had three kids yeah my oldest is with my dad but that's just what's best for him and I didn't give away my other children like and they're thriving do I have do I struggle yeah I struggle but like I'd rather struggle and love my kids and give them the best life than be like well here, here's another child, here's another child, but let me have 13 more. Just not my cup of tea. But also, maybe she has some issues and is dealing with her own shit that I don't know. Mm. Um, my dad likes to tell me that she was a waitress at a strip club, which to me is, uh, you're a fucking stripper. Yeah, but, I don't know anybody's just a waitress. <laughs> right. But, like, she's so not... So your mom was hot. No. You got a number? Uh, no. I'm kidding. I'm I actually kidding. have a number for her. Um, I regularly try to call it. And? It's out of service. Oh. But I still call it. Wow. It's strange right now. No, it's wanna, not. I mean... I just want to know who she is. I don't want a relationship with her. I don't want anything from her. Just to be like, hey, I'm your daughter. You gave birth to me in 95 and I'm okay. I'm weird and I have an array of thoughts that bounce into my head. And my brain doesn't work normal. That's fine. So like what spectrum would you like that to branch off with though? And if this is inappropriate, I'm sorry. It's just a weird question, but like would would you like to find out that she's like successful and be mad about that or like if you found out, like, if she answered the phone and she was just like, hey, honey, and, like, she sounded like she ate nails and cigarettes and was just, like, a wreck. Um, I think that like, would, would be what part she sounded of you, like. Part of you would just be like, knew it. Yeah. Knew and, you were trash mom. <laughs> and I think that that's, like, a huge thing that, like, I I want her to know that I'm doing well. Oh, you, oh okay. Like, and I don't know if that's, like, a way selfish like, thing. Right. But also, like... If I was a mom of all these kids that were thrown, like, I'd want to know if they're okay. Well, you would want to. Because you're not a crap person. Right, but like... And I'm not calling her a crap person. Right. it doesn't sound like she's, like, an awesome person. No, and I've, like, the person that's on my adoption papers as my dad I've talked to. 
and they were very explicit him and his son were like if you ever talk to her you don't talk to us you don't know us you've never tried to contact us which is like to me like mm, you're yeah. probably not a great person but at the same time like people are just broken maybe she's hidden that and she does want to know because I know that on the adoption papers that she filled out it was like one of the questions was like um do you want them to contact you when they get of age and she just said sure or it's fine. Like some some short little... Like short of yes, more than no. Yes. And which is worse. Uh, yeah. Like, and so damn it's like, it. Have a feel... Like, be passionate about this one thing. Right. Like, say something. And... and that, But that's also like a lot of her answers. Like, half-ass, here, here they, there say, whatever. Which is fine. Like, girl, do your thing. In all honesty, it's fine. But I think that there has to be. There's more to the story, and I think that that's what I struggle with the most. It's not that she gave me up. It's not that I don't... I want to know her. It's just I need to know the missing part. Right. And, like, my birth dad, he lived in San Francisco most of my life. Like, literally right now. Yeah. Um, at least who is on the papers as my birth dad. And he, I mean, he did drugs. He did all this shit. He's had millions of open heart surgeries because of his life choices. I'm glad I didn't get raised by him. But when I did call him and I did talk to him, he cried and was like, I wanted to know you. I wanted a daughter and I wanted to sing and play guitar for you growing up. Which is like a polar opposite of what I got for a dad. Like that's like ideal dad status to me. So, it's like, daddy. <laughs> um, so, and again, I'm not trying to say provocative things. I, I'm, I'm, we're just having a conversation. When you got pregnant with Elijah, mm-hmm. are you okay using their names? I mean, you yeah, use them, care. so like, That's fine. whatever. When you got pregnant with Elijah, though, were there pressures for you? Like you said, you looked for an adoptive family for him? I did. Um, were there other pressures? Um, so I went to the Planned Parenthood when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. Um, my best friend's mom knew I was pregnant mm-hmm. uh, before I told her I was pregnant. And we spent a lot of time at Target in the baby section until I broke down. (laughs) Thanks, Nancy. You're the best. Um, And she made me take pregnancy tests that day, and I said I was going to schedule an abortion. So I scheduled one, and the only place that would do it past the 12 weeks was in Vallejo. And she drove me there a couple days later. Um, I remember that morning like it was fucking yesterday. I put on some leggings, I put on a sweatshirt, put on my headphones, and I sat in the back of the car and I cried. I like, and it wasn't like I was crying because I was about to do something I didn't want to do. It was like reality had hit me because I hadn't taken a pregnancy test until that day. Oh. Like I wouldn't, it was like out of sight, out of mind to me. Like I knew I was pregnant. Like it was obvious that I was pregnant. But at the same time, it was like... If I didn't take a pregnancy test, it was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, drove me down to Vallejo, and I, like, 
I think that was the first time I like had a severe anxiety attack in my life and I filled out the paperwork most of it and then they hand you this paperwork they say this is the procedure read through it what was it uh abortion I don't know well there's a I'm not trying to get clinical mm-hmm. I just know like like I know a- academically I guess like there's the whole pills that they it give wasn't, you. It wasn't. It was like the whole procedure where they like rip the baby apart. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, I'm so sorry. They, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Me. It's fine. Um. So yeah, they give you a piece of paper and they're like, "You need to read through all of this so you know exactly what's happening." Mm-hmm. And I was reading it and I was getting nauseous and I was freaking out because literally they're like, "We're gonna rip." Um. So, it, yeah, the paperwork was literally like we're gonna rip your baby limb from limb as it swims away from what we're trying to do because it knows and I was like "Mm, I don't like that so I went outside to sit down get some fresh air see if this is really what I wanted to do there's a lady outside she was probably five foot six blonde hair in a bun smoking a cigarette and she looked at me I was sitting like against the building on the ground and she's like, what's wrong? And I didn't really say anything. And she was like, are you here for an abortion? And I was like, I think so. And she's like, hey, it's not a big deal. I've done this three times this year. And I looked at her dead in the face and I said, fuck you. And I got up, I went inside and I told my friend's mom, I said, we're leaving. She stood up in the middle of that Planned Parenthood. She looked at me dead in the eyes and she said, if we leave this building, you're going straight to Sutter Women's Health and getting an ultrasound and that's it these are your two options and I said I'll I'll do it um 45 minute drive back I was on the phone with Sutter Women's Health and they're like when was your last period I'm like months ago I have no idea get in there thank god they had an appointment literally as we were coming into town and found out I was almost 17 weeks pregnant oh wow I was almost halfway done and they're like, you weren't going to say anything? No. And my f- best friend and her mom were like bawling their eyes out. And I'm like staring at this ultrasound like, uh, what this the is reality. fuck am I going to do? Um, so we left. We left that doctor's appointment and got in the car. And Nancy was like, you got to tell your dad. And I was like, what do you mean I have to tell my dad? She's like, you just had a doctor's appointment. You know where that's going to go, right? And I was like, where? Health insurance? <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. And she's like, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. And I was like, well, let's do it the easy way because I've done everything else hard today. And she was like, just call your dad and say that you want to go out to dinner. So I did. I called my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, can we go out to dinner tonight? She's, he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's normal. We went to Silver Dragon, which is like a Chinese restaurant that we went to. God, now I want regularly. sushi. Oh, my God, I love sushi. Let's do it. <laughs> um, it was just like regularly we went to this restaurant. And um, I called him back a couple hours later, right before we went. And I was like, I'm bringing Christy's whole family. I wasn't going to do it alone. There's no way. Basically lived with her. Um, and he was like, all right, whatever. And that should have been a telltale sign. I brought her, her mom, her brother, her other brother, her sister. Like, I brought everyone. Excuse me. 
and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had an old sound picture and I handed it to my dad. I said, congratulations, grandpa. <laughs> and he goes, um, what are you going to do about health insurance? I said, what? He goes, if you're going to have a baby, then you get health insurance. And I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, I'll call in the morning and I'll put them on mine. That was it. And I didn't have a question. There's no questions about it. Nothing. Until my 20-week ultrasound, which is the anatomy scan. And they made me, they told me beforehand that you had to drink 32 ounces of liquid before you go in for the scan. So your bladder is full, so it like pushes the baby up. Oh my God. Because it's behind your uterus. And I don't know. I mean, you don't know, you've never been pregnant, but being pregnant with a child and the uterus sitting on your bladder like that, it's, it's awful. But he made me drink all 32 ounces and drove me there and then sat there while I bitched at him for a good hour. I need to pee, I need to pee, I need to pee, I need to pee, I need to pee. <laughs> Finally got this ultrasound going and I looked right at the ultrasound tech and I was like, if you don't let me pee, I'm going to pee on you. And he was like, oh, you only have... 28 ounces in your bladder he's looking at my bladder right and i'm like i need to pee and if you don't let me go i'm gonna pee on you and he finally let me go pee that was awful but yeah other than that nothing was said um when i get cranky he'd take me to taco bell but like he never talked about me being pregnant ever ever um his wife mm, girlfriend at the time fiance morgana i don't like her very much but she threw me a baby shower they got me a really nice cake i ate frozen cake for weeks and weeks <laughs> and weeks because that's all i wanted um and then i 42 weeks three days i went to the bathroom and i started labor and i called my dad and i was like hey i'm in labor he's like are you sure and i'm like oh yeah i'm very sure i'm in labor and he walked in the bathroom and he said, well, the car seat's in the car, I think. Because he just had just put it in the car. And he's like, let's go. And I'm like, all right. Sutter Davis. It was like, lived on the other side of town. It was probably like a 10, 15 minute drive. We get there and he walks me in and he goes, all right, call me when something happens. And just leaves. And you were all by yourself? Oh, well, I had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, okay. Um. He was great. And then the point of this story was, is that my youth leader, I went to church a lot as a child because that was like the place I could see my friends in a controlled environment. So my parents were like, well, whatever, go to church, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my youth leader, Sam, she went to like almost all my appointments with me. She did everything. So I had called her on the way to the hospital. I'm like, hey, this baby's coming like now and she's like I'll see you there and she came with her wonderful husband Brian and they sat there with tennis balls for the whole 12 hours well she did Brian came for like five hours when her hands got tired of pressing on my back because I had a lot of back labor um but the, I mean they were there for me literally through everything Sam and Brian fucking gorgeous human beings Ugh. literally would fly across the country to hug Brian. That's it. Like, I would hug him and leave. He has gives the best hugs. Um, but I didn't know that they were struggling with infertility. So, like, 
I was 16. I didn't know. And so, like, it really fucked them up. Um, Ended up going to coffee with her when I didn't think I could take care of Elijah because I had postpartum. And I was like, hey, you want a baby? And she was like, yeah. And Did you think about it? I thought about it. And I was... Well, she told me to really think about it. And I was like, I don't know what I would do without... Not just Elijah... But, like, losing Sam and Brian temporarily for them to adjust to having a child. And to them adjust to having my child. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like, one of the things that we talked about. Sam was like, I hope you know that if I do do this, like, we're going to have to adjust to being a family. And that means without you. Whether it's an open adoption or not, like... Right. There's things that would have to happen. And that broke my heart more than anything. So I backed up I said no I can't do it um come having Zeke I was pregnant and I called Sam I was like I can't I can't even take care of Elijah what like what the fuck am I doing having another child I'm like I want you to have the child and I was dead set Sam and Brian would have Zeke right now if Ruben didn't say no so Ruben is Zeke's birth dad yes Ruben is Ziggy's birth dad. Um, and we were, like, pretty far into this process. Like, um, had an agency, and I was ready. I would have signed over my rights. But Brian had called Ru- Ruben Sr. and was like, in order for this all to happen and go through, you have to approve as well. And we're not going to take that away from you. They're very wholesome humble people and I res- now respect it I was pretty pissed about it before but I respected it I respect it now at least um and he was like I'll race it myself and me being stubborn I said fuck no like if you have to raise him I have to raise him too um Zeke's a great kid now I could not imagine my life without him so so, Zeke, you started raising him without your dad. Were you out, were you out east at this point? Or? Yeah, I was here. Um, but it was like, I was very small with him, pregnant-wise. Like, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't show. So, it was like my 35-week appointment. Um, and they were like, you're not measuring. And I was like, well, what does that mean? They're like, e- either... Like, there's a heartbeat, so he stopped growing a long time ago, and this is going to be detrimental to him and you, or there's nothing wrong, and we don't, like, you're just going to have a small child, and you have to go get an emergency ultrasound. And I hadn't talked to his dad for months at this point, and I called him, and I was like, we're probably going to lose the baby, because that's, like, what they made it sound Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to go get an ultrasound. If you want to meet me, this is where you need to meet me. And he showed up. Surprisingly. He doesn't show up to a lot. But he showed up, and they were like, well, he's there, and he's alive. And I was like, all right. Like, what? Can you tell me something else, you know? Um, excuse me. No. They couldn't tell me anything else, but they said that I needed to get induced. 
so I went to the hospital and I got induced and he brought his mom and his sister and they saw all my parts first day I met them love them but how many fuck. weeks those 25 weeks three oh, days wow. so I spent two days in the hospital beforehand so they had a bed to induce me in and then they induced me um charge nurse this is a great story charge nurse walked me from my holding bed to the room I was going to give birth in and was like all right you already have a kid like what was your experience then I'm like well I went to labor th 42 weeks natural vaginal no meds that's it came out 12 hours four minutes later and that was it you know uneventful but I had preeclampsia, so I couldn't get out of bed. And that's, like, the other thing that they were worried about is that my blood pressure started going up. So I, she, like, put me in the room. She got me comfortable. The next nurse came in and was like, all right, this is how it's going to happen. We're going to hook you up to this thing, and every 15 minutes I'm going to come in and I'm going to up it, Pitocin, which is what they induce you with. And I was like, every 15 minutes you're going to put more meds in me and she's like yeah and eventually you're gonna max out and your body will be in labor got to like a 10 i was definitely in labor and they didn't they couldn't pick up a heartbeat through the monitors that they had on me um which freaked me out because i like again no meds just trying to focus through these contractions and i opened my eyes turned my head and the whole room was full of people and they didn't say anything to me when they walked in. They just came, walked, and watched. And so it freaked me out. And I'm like, why the hell are there so many people in here? And they're like, well, we're not going to do anything yet, but we're just watching in case, you know, things happen. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, yo, like, what What do you mean things happen? Like, and I start crying, hysterical, hysterical. And that charge nurse that walked me in, walked by the room, saw me hysterical, and was like, let's go for a walk. And the doctor's like, no, you can't can't get her out of this bed. And the charge nurse looked at that doctor dead in the face and said, we're going to go to the bathroom. Took me to the bathroom. It's like seven centimeters at the time. It's probably was five hours in. Mm, not even. Like two and a half, three hours in. Went to the bathroom. Peed. She calmed me down. She's great. Bless her heart. I wish I remember her name. Um, brought me back to the bed and... They were like, well, we still aren't picking anything up. Can we, like, change your positioning? Something? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. So, like, like changed my positioning a few times, and they're like, we're not getting anything. And I was like, well, I feel pressure. Like, I'm going to have this baby. They're like, well, 15 minutes ago, you were only 7 centimeters. So, it's probably not going to happen. And I'm like, for sure going to happen. They're like, your water hasn't even broke. So, I was like, all right, then pop my water. Let's do this. Popped my water after a very long conversation of let's check, let's talk about it, let's this, let's that. End up going in there popping it without having that conversation. Rude. But, um, I mean, maybe like 25 minutes after I went to the bathroom, he was here. Very intense, very terrifying, lots of screaming, which I didn't do with Elijah. How big did he come out? Seven pounds, six ounces. Really? So he was pretty well developed. Like if you had gone... What's, term. Yeah, what's term? 40. And you were at... 
I was 35, 6 at the time. Okay, so you were... I mean, I was... Almost there. Still preemie, but... Right. Um, still a full child. Like, mm-hmm. 7 pounds is, like, average for a child. Yeah. So... You just pump out basketballs. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, little compared, so I was a little intimidated. Um, passed out pretty fast. After they gave me a chicken wrap, best chicken wrap of my life. I don't know what it is. After you give birth, the first thing you eat, it could be trash. Like, someone could literally hand you a piece of paper. I found the cinnamon bun, a half-eaten in the garbage, yeah. and you're just like... Eh. And it's the best thing you've ever eaten. And I never have in my life anything has tasted that good. And it was literally like hospital food. You know, in the little what pre-packaged What does the contraction shit. feel like? Um... Imagine someone, like, stabbing you in the back and then, like, drilling it and, like, twisting it and twisting it and then taking it out and then, like, a couple seconds later doing it again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But you like this part. Um, I don't like that part directly. <laughs> it's, like, the birthing part. Like, so giving feel like? birth to a child is, like, being constipated for nine months and then that, like, relief of, like, and then it's over. And it's like, oh. Okay. It's so good. Okay. And like all of like the, it's nasty, but all of like the nasty stuff that comes out. Yeah. I it's know. like you're heavy, heavy, and then you're just like not heavy anymore. So the first time you stand up after being pregnant for months, it, you, you're like, are you wobbly like a new dude? Yeah. You're super wobbly. Your bones crack for like three months, like every time you move, because your joints have to readjust to not having that much weight. Uh So you're like, (laughs) in like the weirdest spots, like you wouldn't think that part, those joints would crack or have to readjust. Like it's just disgusting, but like they don't let you walk after you give birth Mm. because they're afraid that your body's going to go into shock. Oh, they don't let you shower for like almost a day. Gross. It's so gross. All the blood and ugh, it's disgusting. And you have to like call someone every time you need to go to the bathroom, so like in case you faint, because you lose like a good amount of blood. Sure. Um, but yeah, so Zeke ended up in the ICU. Mm. Um, couldn't control his sugars, which is like pretty average for any baby. Like they come Earthside and they're like, this is not a bubble of water and human and I have to eat and I have to do this and wait, everything happened for me up until this point. So like they have to figure out like how to eat and how to regulate their body temperature and blood sugar and shit. Um, so I was asleep probably like 12 hours old and the nurse is like waking me up and I'm like, can I help you? I'm sleeping. Like baby sleeps, mom sleeps. It's a thing. Vet, I'm a veteran at this point. They're like, oh, we got to take your son. And that was it. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, his blood sugar hasn't came up. And I was like, where are you taking him? They're like, oh, to the ICU. And I was like, uh, so can nonchalant. I go? Yeah, no, so nonchalant. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what the hell? You guys are just going to take my kid? And I'm telling his dad, I'm like, go with him. And they're like, he can't go with him right now. And I'm like, well, hello, hello, like, you're taking my child. I can't go, obviously. I lost a lot of blood giving birth to him. Um, 
and normally they like weigh like the pads and stuff they forgot to because i was losing so much blood so like they didn't know exactly how much i lost Mm. so it was like i was super dizzy and super like i couldn't even get up and they're like well he can come later and i'm like dude so like i don't remember what he looked like when he came out because adrenaline and all like the emotions and shit that comes with that so like for a good like six months i thought that he was switched at birth (laughs) i'm swear to god on everything because he was blonde Blonde hair, blue eyes, not my kid. Wow. I, um, so I delivered two babies Uh in the course of being an EMT. And from my end, it's just gross. Yeah. It's really gross. It is gross. Feels gross. Um, but I think, like, you don't forget, you don't forget when you're in my position, you don't forget, like, the first time. The mother gets skin-to-skin contact. Mm -hmm. And, like, watching that is just, like, so gorgeous. I don't think there's anything more beautiful in the world. And it's really, like, weird because, objectively, there's this wrinkly, bloody, stinky-ass, raisin-looking human being. And and the mom just, like, puts it up on her chest and, like, kisses it. And I'm just like, It's disgusting. Like, ew, that came out of you. But then, like, you know, I've had sex with women, and then, like, they clean me off. I'm kidding. Kidding. That's the kind of cut that podcast. It's gross. <laughs> no, I think it's that... It's like a gutter. Um, you all just love your vaginal fluids. I don't think that we love it. I think that it's... the uh, Like, the hormones that you release while giving birth and then, like, putting your child on your chest is, like, immeasurable. Like, imagine cuddling with the love of your life and then never having to leave times 300. Like, it's immeasurable, that feeling. And with my third kid, I couldn't have that because I gave birth to him even earlier. So, like, the NICU team had to be there. They had to make sure. Like, they gave me steroids and all this shit. Um, But they took him from me before they gave him to me. And I'm, like, super hippie. Like, no meds super hippie when it comes to giving birth like don't give me shit because my kids are gonna come out and they're gonna be okay um chest on like skin to skin is like huge 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 for me and I think that that like I didn't even want him for like three hours after that really yeah so like you had your youngest and they took him right away Mm -hmm. and then how long was it before they offered him up like not even five minutes because he came out crying oh, okay so like this whatever lungs that lung steroids that they gave me shots in my leg for like either that worked or he was ready already like he was six pounds ten ounces so he like he was smaller still but still like a good sized baby um but yeah they checked him out fi- about five minutes later came over to me and i was like you can give him to dad I was like you don't want to- i don't know i have no idea what it was and maybe it's because, like, I have resentment towards the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also on magnesium for, like, almost 36 hours before that, which makes you absolutely exhausted. You can't get up. Like, it's awful, an awful, awful, awful experience. And then after all of that, they were like, oh, by the way, you have to stay on this magnesium for another 12 hours. 
and I was like, I gave birth. You guys said until I gave birth. Like, I was already at a hospital I didn't want to give birth at. I was like, it was all bad. Um, they ended up moving me to another room, like a holding room. And then I guess they turned it off like an hour later, but I was asleep. Um, but I remember that magnesium making me so tired. I kept calling the nurse and the call bell. Um, cause he was crying cause he was hungry, but I physically could not feed him. Like I physically could not hold him to my breast and feed him at all. Um, and I looked at the nurse dead in the face. Ruben went to go get Zeke and I was like, I can't, you need to take my child from me cause I will drop him. And wow. then, so yeah, they, um, they pulled me off my magnesium cause they had a bunch of other people giving birth and which is ironic because during my labor I was induced again and they turned off my Pitocin because someone was giving birth and they had to be there so it was like a whole thing and the only thing that put me into labor that time Pitocin didn't work is they popped my water and my body knew instantly get this baby out of me and mm, seven minutes later I had him so I had like a, a good seven minute labor well, that's not too bad at all, right? It was just like, really intense. It was like, oop. Done. Done. It's amazing. Um, God, I, you know, what's so funny is, like, I had an idea what we were going to talk about during this podcast, and we took a hard left. And I like, I no, no, you don't understand. Like, I like following conversation trails to their conclusion. Um... So, but we've been talking for an hour 30, and I want to take a break. I want to cut this off, and then if you're, if you're willing to, to come and do a part two. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do a part two, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other aspects of your life. Indeedy. So, there you have it. Um, everybody, I gave you an hour and a half of what I think is some of the better podcast I've had recently. Um, and we'll come back with a part two. Uh, I'm going to split these by a week. So you'll get this first one and then I'll give you a part two next week and then we'll just keep trucking along. Okay. Liz, uh, you're an incredible person and there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me and mm -hmm. sharing your story and yeah. Thank you, everybody. Have a safe week and get ready for part two. Part two will be next week. See ya.